0: Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at CenterPoint Fellowship. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us by video in Utumka and a Pike Road. We're glad you're with us today. And uh, today we're continuing on our series, Imperfect Doesn't Mean Unusable. And that's because one of our core values here at CenterPoint is we want everybody involved in ministry. We can all be involved in ministry at some level, ministry to our kids, ministry to our neighbors, ministry to our friends. But many times we don't believe it. And we think, well, I don't know enough. I haven't had enough uh, time being a Christian. I don't have all the answers. I'm not smart enough. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Okay, well, if you can, I got good news for you today. God wants to use every single one of us. And the more imperfect we are, the more he gets to show off about how perfect he is. So no, don't ever let your imperfections disqualify you from ministry. In God's eyes, that makes us perfect. And today you're going to be greatly encouraged, I think, as you hear about the life of the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament. Sometimes we think the people who did, through whom God did great things, we think that they were all perfect and nothing could be farther from the truth when it comes to the life of Paul. Let me have a word of prayer for us and we'll jump right in. Lord, I want to thank you for the opportunity to be here today. I want to thank you that we get a chance to brag on you. And Lord, I just pray that today you'll speak and move me out of the way, and you remind us how much you love to use imperfect people. In the name of Christ, I pray, amen. Hey, if you need a pen to fill in the blanks you didn't get one, just raise your hand. One of the ushers would be glad to bring one to you. And this is worth taking some notes on. Before he became known as the Apostle Paul, Saul of Tarsus was a self-righteous, legalistic, religious terrorist. Yeah, you heard me right. Paul, the greatest missionary ever. I mean, blew away Billy Graham, okay? This guy was a religious terrorist, and he was terribly self-righteous. Paul was uh, explaining, uh, after he became a Christian, he explained how he used to think in Philippians 3, I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel, a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demand the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. The law is the Old Testament commands. Pharisees memorized it, they obeyed it, and they wanted to make sure everybody knew that they were the best at keeping the rules when it came to faith in God. The Jews were God's chosen people and the Pharisees were the chosen of the chosen. And Paul says, I did everything to the nth degree. A Pharisee of the Pharisees. And as a result, when Christianity uh, began, when the disciples started telling people about how to have a right relationship with God through Jesus... Well, that just made him angry. They looked at Christianity as a cult. It was leading people astray. They were telling people you can be saved by grace. You didn't have to do all this stuff. You didn't have to keep up with them. And they were proud of how they were keeping the rules of uh, God's rules of behavior better than anybody else. And here here were these guys coming in saying, hey, we're sinners that need to be saved by grace. And Paul wanted none of it. Acts 22, 20. I was in complete agreement with your witness when your witness Stephen was killed. I stood by and kept the coats they took off when they stoned him. Stephen was the first martyr of Christianity. And there were a bunch of other Pharisees, like Paul, who couldn't stand what Stephen was doing when he was preaching about Christ. And so they stoned him to death for heresy. Paul took their coats off. That's so they could take their coats off, and they could get more spin on the rock when they were throwing it at him so they could kill him faster. Paul was the one who held their coats, applauding them. Acts 8, Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. This is the guy who wrote Ephesians, who wrote 1 Timothy, who wrote Philippians. And we quote him all the time. This is that guy. And if you can think of anybody who'd be, least, who'd be less likely to be a great missionary, I'm thinking it's this guy. But I want you to notice what happened to him. Jesus humbled Saul and showed him the errors of his ways. He humbled him. Here's how it happened. Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus. I mean, he was in Jerusalem, Israel, Was going up to Damascus, Syria, um, asking for cooperation to arrest any of the followers of the way he found there. He wasn't just persecuting the Christians, the people who become Christians in Jerusalem. If some of them gone to Damascus, he wanted to take a field trip, go bring them back. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. And as he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus, the one you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you'll be told what you must do. Well, the men with Saul stood speechless for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. And Saul picked himself up off the ground. But when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand into Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and didn't eat or drink. I mean, you talk about a conversion experience. This guy was so self-righteous. If there was anybody who was keeping the rules, anybody who was earning God's favor, it was him, and he was earning it. And then one day, Jesus appears to him in a vision, and he realizes through blindness just how blind he's been. All the people traveling with him, he wasn't going to arrest anybody. They had to lead him by the hand. And you're about to see a little bit, the rest of the story, but I want to stop for a second and remind us that we must humble ourselves or God will humble us. My goodness, this is so true. I mean, the idea that when we come to Christ, that Jesus is lucky to have us in the kingdom. Lord, I know this is your lucky day. John Schmidt became a Christian. Yeah, we're good. Okay. (laughs) You misunderstand it. And so often this happens to us. We can become prideful about what great believers we are. Mm. The greatest among you must be a servant. When Jesus was explaining to his disciples how they should act, he said, the greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And in Matthew 23, Jesus is talking about the Pharisees. He's warning his disciples, hey, listen to what they say, but don't do what they do. They're hypocrites. They like to make a big show of everything they do. They like to pretend that they're more righteous than everybody else. Don't listen to that. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Proverbs 16, 18. Man, I remember when I got into ministry, boy, I used to think I knew all about it. Um, I remember that I used to have all kinds of ideas when I'd volunteer for ministry about what a pastor ought to be doing. And now I'm a pastor and I believe in prayer. Okay, that's the way it goes. My mom used to have a sign in her kitchen. Um, and it just said this. Before I had children, I had six theories in child raising. Now I have six children, and I have no theories, okay? (laughs) And it's a similar sort of idea. Man, I can think I've got all this stuff wired, but God loves to use all kinds of imperfect people precisely because he doesn't want us to boast. He hated what Paul was doing. He hated that he thought he was so much smarter than everybody else. He hated that he was persecuting people. He hated that. That's the life application here. God loves to use imperfect people so we can never boast about ourselves. I mean, if you don't think you're qualified, perfect. Because you're the last person who'd begin to brag about how qualified you are. God saved you by his grace. This is Paul in Ephesians 2. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. The last thing God wants you and me to do is boast about how smart we are, about how righteous we are, about how much we deserve God's kindness. Paul said, no, this isn't a reward for anything you've done. God saved you because you needed saving. I mean, can you imagine me bragging about the fact that I got saved, that I'm more righteous? I mean, the reason I get saved is because I needed rescuing. When a lifeguard swims out to you and you're drowning, he doesn't pin a blue medal on your chest of, you really did good at drowning. You're the best drowner I've rescued today. I mean, who does that? Who gets back to the shore and goes, I took on more water than you? I mean, that's all we could brag about. But when we come to Christ, we come to Christ because we need Jesus. And guess what? He saves us because he loves us. And if that's good news to you this morning, would you say amen? amen? And that's why he wants to use broken sinners, just like you and me fouled up, messed up, imperfect people like Paul, like me, like you. Here's Paul commenting some more on all that stuff we started with, how he was circumcised when he was eight years old. He was a Hebrew of a Hebrew. Hebrew of the Hebrews, here's the rest of Philippians 3. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. And for his sake, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I trust Jesus. He makes me right. He died on the cross for my sins. He washes away my sins. And the reason I can stand before God one day, confident that my sins are washed away, is because Jesus paid the price in full. Can I get an amen on that one? So I don't need to boast. If I boast, I boast in the Lord. I don't tell people how great John Schmidt is. You could see through that in a skinny second. If there's any doubts, just talk to my wife. She'll gladly tell you. Um, all, well, don't talk to her anyway, but the idea is that she could gladly verify that I don't need to boast. Let's say it that way, but I can boast all day long in Jesus. Jesus saved me. Jesus gives me uh, right standing with God. Jesus has opened the door for the Holy Spirit to come into my life and fill me and empower me and guide me. God speaks to me through his word every day. I can pray to God and trust that Jesus understands me because he went through everything that I went through. Oh, my goodness, I could go on and brag about Jesus for hours. And that's the way it's supposed to be. So how perfect do I need to be to tell you that Jesus is perfect and I'm not? I don't have to be perfect. just have to be humble. And God will use people like that. Well, God chose Saul, also known as Paul, to be a Christian missionary to the Gentiles, people he once despised. See, this story gets really interesting. Not only did God appear to Saul on the road to Damascus to keep him from persecuting Christians, you'll see that he stops doing that. But he didn't just stop doing that. God said, I don't want you to just to stop persecuting Christians. I want you to become a Christian missionary. And then, not to Jewish people, I want you to become a missionary to Gentile people. People like Paul saw the world in two groups. God's chosen people, the Jews, and everybody else, the Gentiles. And the Pharisees were so proud of how they had kept all of God's commandments and wouldn't come anywhere close to disobeying the Lord. They were so self-righteous and smug that they believed that they had to protect themselves from getting defiled by the rest of the world. So instead of being a light to the world and showing God's love to people, they were separatists. And they excluded people all the time. And so God is now going to take this guy who described himself as a Pharisee of the Pharisees and say, I want you to be a missionary to all those people that you couldn't stand. But the story is really interesting. If you've never heard this before, this is amazing. Back to the story where Paul got blinded, led by the hand to Damascus. Story continues, Acts 9, 10. Now there there, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. And the Lord said, Go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. I've shown him in a vision uh, that a man named Ananias is coming in to lay hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things that this man has done to believers in Jerusalem, and he's authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, Go. For Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as the people of Israel. I'll show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went, and he found Saul, and he laid hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he got up and was baptized. I mean, Ananias had the same response I would have had. I mean, this is God appearing to him, telling him to go lay hands on a guy who is the head of the secret police, who are coming to arrest Christians in Damascus. Ananias was a Christian. He goes, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I mean, in the margin, you can write these two words. Not him. Not him. Lord, anybody but him. Ananias, go. I've chosen him. I mean, you got to let this sink in. Paul hadn't eaten anything, hadn't had anything to drink for three days. He saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. Jesus. And he knew it was Jesus. And everything that he had been doing, he was convinced now he was wrong. I mean, his whole life had been undone. Some of you have conversion experiences just like that, where God appeared to you, a friend confronted you, you went through a tragedy in your life, and you realized. I'm going the wrong way. I need to go a completely different direction. And the good news is that Jesus met you there, and he's given you a brand new life. Well, that happened to Paul, and Ananias was part of it. And that even that story of Ananias is so important for us because so often we limit God. We tell him, the Lord, not him, not her, not me. Here's Paul commenting on this in Galatians 1. I mean, Paul marveled on this. You can, If you understand this story, you can read a lot of his writings. You'll see this referred to over and over again. Galatians 1. Now, you know what I was like when I followed the Jewish religion, how I violently persecuted God's church. I did my best to destroy it. But even before I was born, listen to this, even before I was born, God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace. God chose me and called me. Please underline that. God chose me and called me by his marvelous grace, his undeserved kindness. And then it pleased him to reveal his son to me so that I would proclaim the good news about Jesus to the Gentiles. He called me and chose me before I was born. Even as stubborn and as wicked as I turned out to be, he had a plan for my life. Now that brings us to a life application here. God often chooses people whom we would consider least likely to carry out his work. He often does that so funny, uh, some of you, have, uh, I've shared with a few of you anyway, that years ago, I was uh, going through the Dallas airport, traveling from somewhere, and uh, ran into a friend that I graduated from, uh, both of us went to college together, we graduated together, but I hadn't seen him in over 20 years, and um, this was a guy that uh, he had been with me when I started college, and we'd gone out drinking and some other things together, and uh, I remember we got to talking in the airport, and he was telling me what he was doing with his life. Now he asked me, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm in full-time ministry. And he laughed so hard. He goes, no, seriously, what are you doing? And I go, I'm in full-time ministry. I had to show him my card. Okay, to him to believe it. He's going, God called you into full-time ministry? I'm like, yeah, yeah. Wow. He went, wow, I'd never believe that. I go, well, you and me both. Paul talked that way, 1 Timothy 1. Listen to this. I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who's given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that come from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Now, if that's a trustworthy saying that everyone should accept, we should read that out loud together, please. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. Now, this was important to Paul because he said, But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me, listen to this, as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize, too, that they can believe in him and receive eternal life. So if you think God can't use you to be kind to a neighbor, if you think God can't use you to explain your faith to a relative or a friend because you don't know enough, you haven't been to seminary, you don't have enough time, you're so wrong. We make excuses all the time about how imperfect we are, and God's going, well, that's what makes you perfect. You know what made Paul perfect? He was the worst of sinners. And people go, well, (laughs) I mean, if God can save Paul, then he can save me. Um, I've asked Don Darling, one of our pastors, to come up here and share a little bit of his story. And it was funny because I was telling Don I wanted him to come up and share a few things with him. He goes, why are you asking me? And I go, well, we're talking about people least likely to be in ministry. Amen. (laughs) Thank you, and Don. No, that, yeah. I felt the love. <laughs> yeah, you did feel the love. Uh, Don was the one who helped us launch our Pike Road site. And uh, Don, 30 years ago, would you have ever seen yourself in ministry?
1: No, I never did. I figured I'd be a carpenter the rest of my life.
0: You know, God's used carpenters. Amen. Okay, anyway, yeah. Um, but the idea, why, why would you think you would have been disqualified?
1: Well, uh, early on, when I was about 20, I knew I had the calling to be in ministry, and, uh, but then life hit kind of hard. Uh, divorce came in. I broke a promise to God, gave a child a broken home, and, uh, you know, God wasn't taking the pain away fast enough, so I'd self-medicate. I owned a pool room at the time. I'd pick up like a six-pack for breakfast, you know, and just kind of, well, you do that enough, and alcoholism sets in, you know, and all that self-destruction that kind of goes with that, so years later, we started Centerpoint here, and uh, you noticed the calling all my life, and I said, John, you know, I'm not qualified to be a pastor with all the, the the messed up life I had. And and John says to me, he says, Don't worry about it. He says, you know, God'll bring those people to you, you know. If you want proof of that, go see the people at Pike Road. <laughs> yeah. you know, hey God, Pike Road, yeah, they're watching us on video, yeah. You know, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. There's a fountain of grace over there, let me tell you. But anyways. <laughs> okay.
0: But anyway, so Don, when you uh when you got into ministry, um one of the things also was not only that God use you, but then if we humble ourselves, uh, God can use some more. Did you find out that you had to be humble once you got into ministry?
1: Yeah, that, that's very true. Um, you know, you get a title of being a pastor or something like that. The first thing you start to think of is that there's an authority that you walk with. Hmm. and um, But that's not the way it is. God has to break us, and he breaks us hard because Christ is glorified. We're not glorified. And so what he does is he takes us through this process of brokenness and, and humbling and you learn very quickly to say, God, let me learn hum- humility through wisdom, you know, rather than because we try to go of our own strength, we tend to mess up. So Christ has to be glorified, and that comes through our brokenness, our humbleness.
0: Yeah, and then he teaches you to start loving people that you wouldn't otherwise love, right?
1: Yeah, he does. You know, there's, um, there's uh, you know, after we turned Pike Road over to, to Matt Bostick, and I, I've gone into Montgomery now to work, to, to build more groups. And uh, there was a group of people that I was very indifferent to. And uh, I really never, 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 never really even thought about them. And God put me in that, that path with them, you know. And so um, I do ministry with them. I thought, why not do local mission work? You know, I've gone to Peru. I've been to Mexico, and I've done local mission work. How about we do it here in Montgomery, you know. And so I started doing local mission work, meeting people and caring for them, people who I was indifferent to. And I started having a heart for them. And it shows up in very simple ways. Um, I met a, this one fellow. He's about 40 years old. He never graduated, uh, well, he failed out of the seventh grade, you know, failed all the sixth grades prior to that, so he never learned to read, you know. And so uh, if you don't learn to read, you can't pass a driver's test, so he never had a driver's license. he just pay, pay the fines. So I was sitting with him for, in the, the DMV for six hours helping him to pass the test. So um, he comes out, he's smiling. I said, man, you, you passed? He says, no, but I took it. Yeah, (laughs) He this is awesome. He said I wanted to punch the computer, but I took it, you know, so And so we failed a couple more times. We are gonna get it though. I'll tell you what but I say that to say that Anybody can help anybody and it's showing this love and this kindness in in many different ways that people meet Christ And when they know you care, then they're ready to share with them
0: Yeah, stick around for a second here I want you to respond a couple of these life applications here. There's another life application here We should never limit God or rule out people for his service. Not him. Not you. I mean, listen to what it says in Isaiah 55. My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. My ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I mean, could it be possible... The God might think that you are the perfect person to minister to a neighbor who's just moving in down the street? Could it be possible you are exactly the person who could pray with someone? I mean,
1: isn't that what you find going on in your life? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, like I said, it's a small ways, getting to know your neighbors, you know. And, uh, You're even starting them. a small
0: group in Del Delrayta right
1: now. We are. You? We're starting a small group in Del Delrayta. We're looking for people who want to be connected. And um, so we'd love to have people help us with that, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, if you, if you know people in the Delreda
1: area who'd love to be part of a small group or you'd like to be part of it, you wouldn't mind any help, would you? No, I wouldn't mind any help. Also, if you want to learn how to do local mission work, I'll walk with you. Uh, there's many opportunities just to have an influence on somebody else's life. Yeah, but what if God has plans for us? I mean, think how exciting this is. God could take us as messed up
0: and as weak as we think we are and say, well, you're perfect. Because if you do this, I'm going to get all the glory. I love that. But so many times we rule out ourselves and we rule out others and go, oh, that will never work. And never even occurs to us that God's plans might be better than ours. And that brings us to the final life application you outlined. God wants what's best for us more than we do. He does. But again, if I don't go his way and go my way, I'm not going to experience that. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He'll show you which path to take. Don't be impressed. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you'll have healing for your body and strength for your bones. I want healing for my body and strength for my bones. I think you do too. But the question will be is, are we going to allow God to lead us in our lives? Are we going to try to go our own way? Paul thought he was doing what God wanted. He really did. He really thought he was being a religious zealot. And then when Jesus appeared to him, he realized how wrong he was. Changed his whole life. From then on, he went around telling people how great Jesus is and how lame he was. Instead of bragging on himself, he boasted on Jesus. And that's the great part about ministry. When people say, what makes you qualified? Like, what would you say if I'd said, Don, what makes you qualified to be in ministry? Wow.
1: It hit me real hard one day when I'm saying to this individual, I said, hey, man, you got to read your Bible. And I gave him a Bible. And he said, I can't read. And so we sit there reading verses together and explaining it and ha- teaching them to read while we're reading the Word of God. Can any of us do that? I'll tell you what, I could use some help doing that. There's plenty of people out there that we can help just to even sharing the Word of God with.
0: Yeah. I mean, Don and I went walking through your neighborhood. We were just praying together Yeah, the people that you could reach. I don't have to have a seminary. Nobody has to have a seminary to agree to pray. You don't have to be super smart to teach people how to read. You just have to be willing to let God use you. So I want you to pray for us today. I want you to pray that God would keep us from limiting ourselves and others from ministry and pray that we would not think we're more important than we are and we just let God guide our lives. Would you do that?
1: Sure. Let's pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, you have gifted each one of us. Each one of us is an an individual that started our soul, began in you, and you have gifted, gifted us to bring glory and honor to your name. God, I pray that we will humble ourselves before you and know that we can fulfill our purpose in your kingdom here and now. God, I pray that you will create a desire within us to bring glory and honor to Jesus Christ that we don't think if it's of our own doing, but we have such strength in knowing that the less of me, the more of you. So God, I just pray right now for your Holy Spirit to guide us and protect us and bring glory and honor to your name through Christ our Lord, amen.
0: Amen.